Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 221. I love this episode because number one, my lucky number is 21. So I just love just the energy around anything that has 21 in it. And also, as you're soon going to find out, this episode is a interview with a friend and colleague of mine, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So first things first, today I'm recording this um, intro on January 5th, 2023. This episode will go live on January 9th, so you'll be hearing it that day or any day thereafter. So this is the first, actually, this is the second episode of the new year because the first episode went live on Monday the 2nd. So it's still okay for me to say happy new year, so happy new year. So before I intro for you the guest that you're going to hear from on today's episode, I want to tell you two things. I'm not actually... Um, both of them are questions uh, that I want to ask you. So the first one is over the break, over the holiday break, I've had massive inspirations, like I think people call them spiritual downloads, to start a new podcast. And it's because there is a large portion of me that is, let me rephrase that, I have an incredible interest in discussing topics that are beyond yoga teaching, things around personal development, growth mindset, up-leveling your life, manifestation, positive thinking, neuroscience, that those kinds of topics. And I thought to start a new podcast with those topics and come to find out <laughs> so many people have podcasts right now that many of the names that I wanted are no longer available. So I'm thinking of including these other topics in this podcast to continue to leverage the community of listeners, including yourself that I've built and just expand the conversation that we're having here. Uh, beyond anatomy and yoga. So I would love if you would send me a DM on Instagram and let me know if you're interested in any of those topics. The second thing is I want to, since it's the beginning of the year, ask you if you're thinking of investing in any training programs this year. And the reason I'm asking you this is because I've had several conversations over the past couple of weeks with teachers who are indeed thinking of investing in a training program. And 
for many, if not all of them, the main driver in their decision is getting hours, getting training hours to satisfy continuing education requirements. And this is never a good piece to make a training program decision on. It's something to consider, but it's not the most important thing. And so what I wanna do is save you money <laughs> I, uh, on any program, even mine, because I want to be sure that you are asking a very important question before you invest in any training program. So if this resonates with you and you are indeed thinking of spending some money in this calendar year on training, I want you to send me a DM or an email and I'm going to share with you this really important question that you should ask of anyone or of any training program that you would potentially invest in, because I want to make sure that your investment gets you the outcome you want. So I don't wanna go into it here if it doesn't apply to you. If it does, please send me a DM and you can just say question, or I heard about this on the podcast, I'm thinking I'm investing in a training program and I'd like to know what you think I should uh, evaluate it on. So that's that. So for today, we have a very special guest. She is someone who has been on the show before. So you may be familiar with her. Her name is Allison Chamberlain Jones, and she is a yoga teacher. She is a Reiki master. She is, um, an astrology coach, and she's also a money coach. And she has many years of experience in all of these areas. On the past show, and in today in particular, and the reason I had her come on the show today is because money is such a big topic. And because it is the beginning of the year, it's a great time for us to improve our relationship with money, get our money house in order, and really examine any limiting beliefs we have around money. Now, you may think, what does this have to do with yoga teaching? Well, number one, you already heard me say that I have interests beyond just yoga teaching. And I really love to share these ideas and thoughts and this type of content with you to help us all grow as people, right? Um, however, when we're teaching yoga, we are sharing of ourselves. So any limiting beliefs we have, any hangups we have, any um, hesitations we have, anything that's stunting our growth clouds the way we teach. And so this is why it's so important for yoga teachers to do the self-work so that we can show up fully for our students. So that's the intro. You're going to hear from Allison Chamberlain Jones. We go into a lot of really cool topics, some of which I think will really sort of blow your mind. So with that, we're going to go to this episode. Allison and I met the other day. So within the past few days, this has been recorded. So it's very current, very on point. And I'm super excited for you to listen. So with that, let's roll into that episode. Hi there. Hey, Karen. It's so great Hi. to see you. You actually, um, you look like you have like some sparklies or something on you. I think it's so funny. It's from my, yeah, it's like the blinds are closed, but there's yeah. like little slits where the sun yeah. So and it's funny because the way the way that it hits, I on Wednesdays I teach this um noon like corporate meditation and they they perfectly like uh, the light like it, it aligns yeah. like with the chakras. I'm like, I didn't plan this, it's weird, but yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. And for, for listeners that don't know your background, I mean, you have an astrology background and, yes. you know, Reiki and all of that. So you're in the spiritual realm. So I, I like to think that the universe like is coming through you on some level. And that's why yes. the light is just, I know it's like, I, feel I like, like that. Yeah. 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 And so, remind uh, me, do when people listen, can they see it, us or no, no they just they hear us. Know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay, cool. All yeah. right. Even when I put it on YouTube, it's just the audio. Cool. Okay. So, I know most, I think most podcasts are like that, but I, yeah. no, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I tried yeah. at one point, but I just figure it's really more about the content and people listen to podcasts way more than they watch them. <laughs> That's so true. Like driving, running yeah, exactly. or whatever people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, so happy new year and thank you. Happy for new year. Yeah. Thanks so much for asking me. It's an honor to be back again. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I love it. And you know, I was saying to you when we chatted on the phone before this, this is the third time that you have been on this show. So I think you might wow. be one of the, you know, few people who've been on more than once and now into three times. Yeah. Feel like so, a celebrity. <laughs> yes, that's what I feel like because I remember one of them, I'm trying to remember some of the topics we covered, but I just, I just, Distinctly remember two two additional times. So for people who are listening, if you love this one, go back and listen to the other <laughs> one as well. As well, um, and you know, as I shared with you, I feel like um, the beginning of this year, the beginning of any year, is a great time to make positive changes. And I really hesitate to call them resolutions because I think that that term can really be just triggering for people in a lot of different ways just more recognizing that with the new year, there's a new opportunity. And I was thinking, yeah. who do I know that can speak about a topic that is, I think really, um, I, I don't want to say triggering again, because I don't want to set it up. I, I just think it's a topic that uh, is probably one of those hot topics that people usually don't like to discuss. However, yeah. it's um, sort of a undercurrent that can really affect our lives in so many different ways. And that is the topic of money and how you feel about money. Now, I'll say right out of the gate for people maybe who are listening to the podcast that are newer and they're wondering, why is a yoga podcast talking about money? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to just say right out of the gate, you know, number one, I love to bring experts on the show who talk about more than just yoga and yoga teaching. Although for the unfamiliar listener, you are a certified yoga teacher. So we could speak about yoga specific things, of course. Sure. It's just that, you know, I look at, if we just frame it from the perspective of teaching yoga, I look at as we teach yoga, we bring ourselves to the experience for our students. And so any limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves in one way or another, even if we're not specifically speaking to, in this case, money when we're teaching, which we're not, any kind of limiting belief sort of clogs the drain, sort of clogs the frame, clogs the glasses, whatever metaphor you want to use. And so I, I just love to add to what I share on the show in the yoga space, the really specific yoga space, other topics that are really around personal growth 
and improving your life and growing as a person, however you want to call it. So that definitely this idea of money and how you think about money and um, that and maybe limiting beliefs you have about money definitely uh, um, definitely falls into that category of personal growth and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So now that we've sort of laid the groundwork, let's start out. Why don't you share maybe a good place to begin is why don't you share a little bit about how you work with people where these sorts of issues come up? And then we can get into a little bit more about what kinds of concerns do people have? What kinds of limiting beliefs do you hear about? Do you know about? So maybe just share a little to start out, especially for someone who didn't listen to the earlier episodes about you and how you work with people and how this is even a topic that you've become familiar with teaching on and coaching people about. Okay. Okay. Yes. Great. Yeah, so uh, thank you again for having me, and I'm excited to be back on your show. Um, So my background is, uh, I've been a yoga teacher since 2009. I've been working as a professional astrologer, even a little bit before that year. Um, I taught yoga in many different situations and scenarios, offices, studios. I co-owned a yoga studio for about four years. Um, I'm also a Reiki practitioner. I began doing that in 2013. And as I was pursuing these things that I would consider my my passions, um, I felt like a starving artist you know, like that archetype of the starving artist, it, it just, it felt like I either had to choose between doing the things that I felt passionate about, but like not making any money at all or, or barely making it or having some, what I would feel like is a boring, sterile, some kind of a job that would just pay the bills, but would not be fulfilling at all. Right. And and I've found that this is a common theme, you know, amongst other people who are into kind of similar things, whether they're, you know, yoga teachers or let's say massage therapists or, you know, energy workers, what, you know, any, anybody kind of in those under that umbrella, um, I, I've found ha- has had a similar struggle or, or mentality around it. So through my journey of you know, quote unquote, trying to make it right as a, as a, you know, yogi, yogini and um, astrologer and, and whatnot, I started to take some personal development and coaching programs to help me with what initially what I thought was going to be the business aspect, because many of us didn't go to, you know, we don't have MBAs. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't go to school for that. Like maybe you did, but chances are you did not. And and now you're teaching yoga because you love it, but you really don't know anything about having a business. Right. So, so through that and, and through reading books on sort of on in that genre, I came across things about money mindset and, and your relationship with money. Um, 
and, and manifestation and, you know, other things like that. And up until that point, I had never even stopped to consider what do I think about money, you know, and how does my, let's say, how does my self-esteem or confidence intersect with my beliefs about money and what's possible for me in my life, you know, and as a wellness entrepreneur or whatever you want to call it, right? So after kind of diving in for really just for myself, because I was trying to, you know, not be barely scraping by, you know, anymore, I realized that I would love to actually help other people with this sort of thing. So in 2020, I added that on kind of onto my plate of of what I do, you know, so in in addition to teaching yoga, and um, reading people's birth charts, you know, doing astrology readings. Now I'm uh, doing what I call holistic business coaching. And I've been thinking a lot about the play on the word wealthy lately. Like if you spelled wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Yeah. Well, well be right. That's really what I'm all about and what I'm going for. Like, it's not just to make you or help you become a multiple six figure business owner or a millionaire or a billionaire, but, but have you hating life burnt out, you know, do it, you know, so it's like, I would love to see people thriving in all areas. So that's kind of what, what I'm about. Um, so now getting a little more specific to sort of, you know, where your questions about like, yeah, what are, how do I help people with, you know, these sort of money issues? Um, I would say at least 75% of what we focus on is mindset and, and attitude because, you know, sure, there might be some people that I work with and and they'll ask me like, do you think I need to have, let's say a savings account in addition to my checking account? Or do you, you know, do you think I should have a a business bank account and a personal, you know, so I, I, I will help people with those kind of more practical things too. But I find that the, the real transformation occurs when we're looking at the emotions, the thoughts, the beliefs, and the energy that someone has around money. Yeah. And before I launch into that more, I'm just, I just want to see, did you want to well, interject? I'm, I okay. just want to make a, put a, make a note to the, to the listener here about one thing that you said that really stuck out to me. You said something along the lines of when you work with people, how, asking them how they feel about money. And the reason that was interesting to me when I heard you say that is I'll bet for a lot of people, they sort of feel like how they feel about money is something that they didn't really choose. And it's not something that they have any power to change. It's sort of like if you feel overwhelmed about money and you feel really anxious about money, First of all, at its face, no one would want to feel that way. And at the same time, it's not as if anybody said to you, 
this is how like a parent, this is how I'm going to make you feel about money. And yet here you are as an adult and you have feelings of anxiety about money. You're not really sure how you got there. Here you are though. And at the same time, I wonder if people have any sense, and I know this is what you help people with, of how to change how they feel about money. Or if so many people, and this is where I think a lot of people fall into the category of, this is just the way it is, you know, whether it's, I live paycheck to paycheck, which is the practical side, or I always have anxiety around my bank account. When I look at the number or I, you know, whatever the behaviors are and the feelings that come up, um, my sense is that a lot of people have negative feelings and yet at the same time feel powerless to change them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and what you just articulated is really what I consider sort of step one, if, if you will, when, when you're, if you're, if you're even willing to look at how you look at money, right. That's you're already ahead of the curve. Like if, if it's occurred to you that maybe you could have a different relationship to money, that's great. Like and you're, you're. That's an interesting thing too, because aside from, you know, how they say, like when someone has a traumatic medical event, it changes how they look at their life. And yet they could have looked at their life with more gratitude and more presence. It's just that they didn't until they had this traumatic medical event and they survived it. And now they have a new opportunity to look at life differently. And so aside from people who maybe have a traumatic money event, like maybe they get divorced and they lose all their money and they have to rebuild. Yes. But the the run of the mill population, how, how do they, how do they, what brings them to that? I mean, I guess my, my thought is that most people, as we're saying, don't really change their attitudes about money. Maybe for some of the people that come to work with you, what's the catalyst? What brings them to that? Okay. Yes. That's a great question. So I have a few thoughts on it. You know, one is I think anytime someone is either trying to take their hobby and turn it into either a part-time business or even a full-time business, this will come up and then they might, they might be more receptive to looking at it because they're like, well, this is really what I want to do. And I know that I'm going to need to maybe think in a different way to become the version of myself that has my own business or whatever it is they're doing. And yet I I would say this is, those are most of the people that I work with. However, even for someone, if you're listening and you're like, well, I, you know, I'm content with my nine to five, like, why do I even care about this? Right. I still think it's important because imagine what could change in your life if you just had less stress about money, right? If you weren't, um, you know, feeling like you were always hang, you know, hanging by a string until that next you know, direct deposit goes through or, or if you're fighting with your spouse about, you know, what to spend your money on and and things like that, um, all of that can come, you know, can come up and, and all of that can be better 
it, you know, when you give kind of give a little time and focus like to this topic. So even if you're like, I don't care, I'm not a business owner or I'm not an entrepreneur. It's like, what if we could just raise your overall happiness level, <laughs> right? right? Or, and reduce your overall stress level. Like that's a, that's a win. Right. Absolutely. And you know, I don't know how many millionaires and billionaires listen to my podcast. I would say though, (laughs) even people that have, and it doesn't even need to be a millionaire, even somebody making a hundred thousand dollars a year in their job could still have a lot of stress about money, especially if they have a lot of demands for the money they make, uh, in terms of paying for college and, you know, paying for costs of their family and wanting to go on certain vacations, or maybe their kids have certain expectations of a certain level of living. So, you know, I think we always sort of fall into the category of the person who doesn't have a lot of money, has money stress. And at the same time, the person who has a lot of money, whatever they would consider a lot, could have money stress too, and beliefs that could hold them back. I love that you brought that up because it's a huge point that, that in most cases, just making more money is not the answer actually for like, if you cannot buy, if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, right. You don't know if you have a place, a roof over your head tomorrow night, that's a little bit different. Like when you're, you know, once once your basic needs are met, that's when all of this stuff that we're kind of talking about comes, comes into play. I mean, you could argue that even for the person who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, it could still help them. But, you know, once you're sort of, again, beyond that level and you're, you're doing okay, at least like your, you know, yeah, your basic needs are met, just making more money is not necessarily going to solve the problem or be, or be the answer because you know what so many people do when they start to make more money is their expenses increase right along with it. That's right. what so many people do, right? So they're, they actually aren't, they, they don't have more of a cushion now. They're still barely, you know, spinning their wheels, barely treading, you know, treading water just to keep up with the lifestyle that's like rising with their, their income level. Right. So I, I love that you said that. And I know plenty of people that have multiple six figure businesses, even millions, you know, millionaire businesses that are freaked out about money. They're still stressed about money. Right. So, right. So then it's yeah, like, no, it's very true. And I remember for a while there, a couple months back on TikTok, I was seeing these videos all the time of people who were saying the narrative of, I don't know where all my money's going. Like, how is it possible? I don't know how this trend started, but there were quite a few videos I was seeing of younger people, like in their 20s and 30s saying, I'm making good money and I don't know where all my money's going. I still don't have, you know, money in the bank or money to cover expenses, whatever it is. And, you know, do you think that that, do you think that there's, especially when you talk about wealthy, W-E-L-L, you know, when I hear wealthy and the concept of wealthy, I think of things like self-care and just all of that kind of, you know, uh, visuals come to my mind. And so I'm, I'm thinking also, as we're talking about this, do you think 
there's this category of just basic money hygiene, you know, like hygiene almost as a word that falls into that well category and self-care category that people don't have. Yes. Yes. And, I remember, and maybe if you could retell the story, because didn't you share a story on the first time we chatted about a woman who never looked at her bills and yes. tell that story. Because when I think of money hygiene and not having good money hygiene habits, I think of that kind of behavior as an extreme example of having no money hygiene. So tell that exactly. Story. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. So I have, I did work with someone who um, had not opened her mail in three to four years. She was freaked out. There were piles and piles all over her dining room table. Just couldn't go there. Too afraid to look at what's in there, what's going on. Um, and but then she finally felt, you know, got the courage and confidence to tackle it. And you know, she she spent an afternoon, I think, on a weekend. You know, she started to go through everything. And lo and behold, <laughs> and it's like, these results are not typical, right? Like that's why that's, <laughs> objects in mirror may be closer yeah. than they appear. Yeah. yeah. I want to put that disclaimer out there, but just by opening that mail, she actually made $110,000 because why about 70,000 of that was unclaimed money from a deceased relative that she, but they didn't know where to send it to her because she wouldn't open her mail. So because she didn't communicate, oh, here's my address or here's my bank account or whatever. There's just literally 70 grand floating around out there waiting to come to her. And then the other 40 grand was some kind of, it was somewhat similar. I don't remember the exact source, but maybe it was like a tax refund or so, something that, again, a similar thing. And it was like, holy cow, you know, and really in that example, it's like over the entire time that I coached with her, it's like, maybe she paid me several thousand dollars. Right. And like, check out that return on oh, investment, you know, like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I hear a story like that, the comp, the overarching theme that comes to my mind is that, you know, denial is never a helpful strategy as right. and yet at the same time or maybe it's avoidance denial and avoidance mm -hmm. and at the same time the root of that is fear and it yes. can be so strong so did you find with her that that fear um persona was just really strong in her and that was what was preventing her from looking at her mail Yes, but, but, you know, in so many ways, she's like not different than so right. many other people, you, right. you know, like, and she was actually, she's somebody, she's very successful with her career and all of that. Um, yeah. You and know, so and the outside persona can yeah. look like you have it all together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why, especially now in the world we live in with social media being so prominent, you can see oh. all images on social media and assume that people have a lot of money when in reality, they either don't or they're in debt. Exactly. Exactly. Why. Okay. Yes. So, all right. So maybe here, and you tell me if this feels right as a, 
as a transition to talking a little bit about what are some of the common beliefs that people have about money that could be things that they carry as true things like these are true things i am you know convinced that this is you know a true statement that when you work with them you loosen their attachment to some of these ideas as being truisms yes. versus um as being beliefs versus truth right right exactly perfect yes so that is reminding me of something that the first time i did this was in a workshop that i taught in september of 2020 and then i've done it a couple other times in, in other similar scenarios but in a workshop with multiple people just literally having them type in the chat like do a little brain dump of what comes to your mind when you hear the word money right. just that simple little exercise some people write um scarce or greed or um evil or uh not for me or you know th things like that some people equate it to things like freedom opportunity choice okay cool we like that right but a lot of people had things that i would label negative you know negative associations and then similarly if you say if you ask folks what comes to your mind when you hear the word rich and what comes to your mind when you hear the word wealthy you know it's a similar mix and even and then another one that i love too is when you think of money if you had to personify it what is that? What is money as a person? What does money look like? The overwhelming response to that was it's a man. It's uh, white. The first person I thought it was Beyonce for some reason. Well, I love that. I love that. That's great. So you totally broke that mold. Yeah, I love that. Especially but, because oh, now she does the ads for Tiffany's. <laughs> stores, I didn't even like, know that. Yeah, she... Um, she, for a while there, her and Jay-Z were in several uh tv ads and then there's a bunch of print ads and uh yeah i actually just was at a shopping mall with the tiffany's and there was a really big poster <laughs> for wearing some jewelry so maybe that's why anyway i love it yeah yeah I so they think of a man though but yeah so so what i found when i asked people in a group that question is most of them thought money is a dude right it's white you know hetero able-bodied all, all of those things so if you're not that, right. then you're, it's kind of saying money is not for me, right? My, you know, yeah, money belongs to those people or, or money is for those people, but not, not me. And then, you know, some of the other things that we kind of dig into is if someone associates money with greed or evil or corruption or anything like that, you know, it will actually block them from receiving money at a certain level because yeah tell me more about that yes the reason behind that is if that's their internalized belief why would they want to have more money 
Right. Because more money means then that they are evil. They right. are greedy. greedy. Right. They are an a-hole. They're right. corrupt. Right. So it might not be conscious. Like, oh, if I have more money, I'm going to think that I'm evil. Right. But the shadow or the subconscious, that belief could be there. So somebody might have some blocks in that regard if they're if they're still associating money as a negative why would you want that why would you want something negative yeah and what's so amazing when you frame it that way is that again it it makes me aware of how involuntary a lot of our thoughts are and how meaning they're not intentional thoughts around money. We're just operating in this way. Like if I walk through an expensive shopping mall and I look at these expensive things, you know, I might have these knee-jerk reactions to whether or not I could ever afford those things. And in fact, if I track back, those knee-jerk reactions can go all the way back into my subconscious, things that I believe about money. But in that moment, I'm not aware. All I'm doing is making that subconscious choice. No, I can't afford that. No, I can't invest in that program. No, I can't buy that jewelry. No, I can't go on that vacation. And I see that as the decision. But if I reverse engineer from that decision to the source, right, I could uncover all these limiting beliefs I have, but no one really is doing that in real time. Most people aren't. So until they work with someone like yourself, they don't have an opportunity to decouple that decision from the belief system. And it's like, if we could just bring more awareness, and that's why I love having this conversation with you on the show, just bringing awareness to that decision you're making could be the result of these unhealthy beliefs that maybe you didn't even ask to have, which is crazy because you were sort of powerless when you were young to not absorb the money conversations happening around you. Exactly. Your perspective on money. Right. That's right. That's right. And yeah, go ahead. Well, something I always like to bring up is, you know, there there are four main brain waves, right? And and so as adults, when we're alert and active, we're we're in beta waves most of the time. If we're relaxed, maybe doing yoga, laying in shavasana or something, alpha wave is slower then a, a wave that is even slower than that is theta which is like you know light sleep or trance or like you're really deeply absorbed kind of into meditation or something and then finally even slower is delta deep sleep so the two waves that are the where we're the most susceptible to hypnosis or the most susceptible to kind of absorbing Im- messages into our subconscious are delta and theta And from age zero to seven, you're in Delta and Theta most of the time. So literally from age zero to seven, we're like walking around, like getting hypnotized, like literally from the environment. And that's why, right. 
anything that you might have heard from the first seven years of life, it's in there. Yeah. And you didn't choose it. <laughs> right, right. And I think about like when you said before, when you go oftentimes into business for yourself, if you didn't get an MBA, you didn't learn a lot of the practical handling aspects around money or the practical aspects of money handling. At the same time, though, I almost feel like education around this sort of stuff is just as important as the practical because otherwise we grow up and we turn into adults and we have no awareness that how we believe, what we believe around money is in many cases a belief system we didn't choose to have. And I'm not blaming our parents. Our parents did the best they could. It's just that you can make different choices that are different than the choices you were raised to think around money. Absolutely. And as you were sharing that, I was thinking that, again, I, I, I have not, I don't have an MBA from a traditional, you know, school, but I'm pretty sure they're not teaching this anyway there, you know? No. Um, and like, I, the, the value just, I mean, even if someone came to one of your workshops and just went through the exercise of writing down what comes to mind when you pose those questions to them, that is so valuable enough. Do you feel that that sort of questioning is the beginning of loosening someone's, some att- loosening someone's attachment to negative beliefs around money? Exactly. Uh, yes, absolutely. So it's like first even becoming aware of what are my sort of knee jerk reactions to money? What, what, what are the beliefs or what are the thoughts that I have that come up when I'm, when I hear about money or somebody who has a lot of money or, you know, so, so examining that is incredibly helpful. And then, and it kind of then starts to open up the possibility that, oh, maybe I don't want to believe those things anymore. What could I believe instead? You know, and then so that then that becomes the sort of daily practice of choosing to lean in to those beliefs that actually money is inherently neutral. So it's whatever you want it to be. It could be used as a as a very helpful, positive tool that enhances your life or somebody else's life or, you know, does something that is will have sort of a ripple effect. And yes, it could also be used in a negative way, uh, in a way to, you know, have power over someone else, let's, let's say, you know, but so for the individual on a daily basis, it's like, well, I'm going to choose to, you know, look at my money and, and see all of the good that it's doing. And even, even, you know, some of these things might sound overly simplistic or cheesy or something, but they really help. Even when you're paying your bills, it's like, I don't know about you, but I really love electricity. (laughs) Like I really want that, you know? So it's like paying your electric bill instead of it being like, Oh, you know, another freaking bill. Oh my God. You know, dreading it or like hating it. It's like just the difference of like, I'm so grateful for electricity. Like I love my lights. I love my lamps. Like I'm, I'm so glad that we have that. I'm so glad I was born 
in a time where we have electricity, you know? And so even just that will start to have a ripple effect, Um, you know, and, and really something that I was thinking about kind of right before we hopped on to our, our session here is it's like, again, somebody could say, all right, well, if I, if I just, you know, tell myself that, that money is associated with positive things, like who cares or, or how is that really going to make a difference for me? It something that is just undeniable is that what you focus on grows. Like you just can't argue. You could try to argue with it, but it's true. What you focus on grows. uh, And you could look at that from sort of a more energetic perspective. You could look at it from a more biological perspective, like in our brains, the reticular activating system is a part of the brain that essentially decides what should be, you know, filtered into your subconscious mind and what should be kind of in the conscious field of awareness. Mm -hmm. And if you're telling yourself, let's say money is bad, money is evil, that, that actually trains your reticular activating system to keep looking for examples of that. Yes, exactly. The evidence of that. So then the opposite is also true. If you're, if you're kind of feeding your mind now, these positive associations with money, the the reticular activating system is going to catch on and you're going to start to see more examples of that. Like, Oh, look at that, you know, wealthy person over there doing something that I think is really great with their money or, or wow. Like, you know, um, I found a $20 bill on the street or, or, Oh my gosh. Like I, I have this really random refund that I was not expecting, you know, come in. And, and then it's like, when something has sort of a, maybe if we call it like a positive charge, there's more energy with that. And, and, and so, you know, let me, I'll tell a little story to kind of illustrate what I mean. So I won't get into the why of, of this for the listeners, but Karen knows why, but soon I have to move. And, and for a moment, I was like, should I go to Mexico? Because it's cheaper there. Or should I find an apartment in Florida where I currently live? And I've been kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And then I realized there's a place that I just happened to have stayed at in Florida as an Airbnb. And I loved it. I was like, oh my God, like if I could live there, that would be freaking amazing. And sure enough, a two bedroom apartment has opened up in that place. Wow. It's a little, it's a little bit more than I want to spend in a month. but the energy that I felt of like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. I could live there. That is motivating, you know? And and it's like that lights a fire under my butt to like, yes, keep going with my business because I want to be able to live there. I want to like versus choosing the other option 
I didn't feel the same way about it. it. It almost would be like shuffling off to Mexico with my tail between my legs, kind right. of. Right. There's right. no energy behind that. Like, yeah. so that's why it's like everything builds on each other. And so, so it's so easy to be like, well, I'm always got to choose the cheapest option. And it's like, not necessarily. Right. Be- you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I hope I'm articulating that. No, totally. It also reminds me of, I know for myself, I used to have a lot of jealousy when I would see things on social media about what other people have. And as I was examining my own feelings about money over the years, I got to a point where, and it wasn't like I got to this point, it was more someone pointed it out to me. And I, in that moment had this revelation. And I'm sure you've heard this perspective before, this idea that when you see someone else's success, instead of being jealous of it, to look at it as proof as to what is possible. Possible. And that whole idea that, you know, well, yeah, that person is doing something that resonates with them as a, a passion project or something they're passionate about. And at the same time, I have my own passion projects and I'm just as capable of leveraging my passion into not just helping people, also earning a living, also wealth. And so seeing that person's success says to me, well, if I do certain things, I too can have that kind of success. Exactly. That's what that sort of reminds me of. And, And I guess before I lose this train of thought, and maybe we can table this for in the next few minutes, or if you want to address it right now, because part of what that also leads me to think about is that when we have that thought about getting from where we are now to a future state where we are realizing our passion more and earning money for it, there's usually a middle step where we need to do something. We need to learn a new skill, add to our knowledge, do something that's going to cost us in time and money. Mm -hmm. If we have these negative thoughts about money, we might want that end game, but be driven by our negative beliefs about money. And that may stop us. It may block us from doing the exact thing that will help us get to that future state. Yes. Do you ever, maybe in your work with people or even just generally, could you speak to, like if someone's listening to this and they sort of have this thought, how do they kind of navigate around that or through that so they can get more comfortable spending money? Yeah. That it's going to help them get where they want to go. Yes. Yes. Great. Great. So I have a few thoughts about that. You know, on the one hand, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of kind of continuing to kick the can down the road, right? Like I'll do it when, you know, when I finally have X amount of money saved or I'll do bonus, or when I get that. Tax yes. Return. 
Right. Or exactly. I'll do it when I finally achieve a certain income level. And, and so it's like nuanced because for some people that could totally be true. 100% true. They know that in three months from now, right. They are guaranteed to get that $10,000 bonus and they will out, they're absolutely going to use some of it to sign up for X, Y, Z and cool. That's great. That's cool. Right. But then where that can sometimes be a product of a more limiting belief, let's say is sometimes by, by saying yes now, it's, it will actually light that fire under your butt to kind of skyrocket you to the next level that you were hoping to be at it, to buy the thing in the first place. Right. You know? So, you know, one thing I would say is like, if you're trying to evaluate, is now a good time for me to invest in XYZ or um, how do I know this is the right move? you know, move for me. Um, I think it goes, it does go back to really checking in with yourself and being completely honest. So I'll, so I'll give a couple examples. Um, there's a couple, you know, there, there are a few coaches that I follow and I've thought to myself, that would be cool to, to hire them. But the two that I have in mind in this example, I think it costs at least a hundred grand to work for the, w- with them for a year, or it might be even 500 grand at this point. And first of all, 500 grand, I don't even have, I don't even have that. So I'm just going to, that's like a no go, but the 100 grand, it's like, could that go in a payment plan on a, on a series of credit cards? Technically, yes, but am I willing to do what it takes to guarantee that I'm going to see a return on that investment? No, Karen, because I'm actually a little lazier than that. (laughs) I don't want to work that hard. Like, Like to get from where I am to where I would need to be to have a 100K investment, just be like, no big deal. Right. Like a lot would have to change to change in order, you know. So that is an example of where the leap is too big. That yeah. that is not aligned for me, you know, for this example, right? right? But there's never going to be a thing where you don't have any fear at all. Right. And that's the thing that I think people get hung up on. It's like if I feel a little little bit of fear, does that mean I should say no? I don't think that's necessarily the case. And and actually, this is like an overused thing that I kind of hate that maybe you've come across, but people are like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And it's like, I'm sorry, but not everything is going to be a hell yes. Like, like there are going to be plenty of things that you're that are ultimately going to be good for you, or you're going to be glad that you did them. And they were kind of maybes instead of a hell yes. Right. Right. Or you had one foot in one foot out. Right. So, so I think it's like what, if you're thinking about investing in, in anything, 
I think it's really getting honest with yourself that like, am I going to ensure that I'm going to get what I need out of this program? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's it honestly, it's not even about what is delivered. Yes, if if what was promised right and what is delivered do not match, there's a feedback form for that. <laughs> you know, like there's a there's a system for handling that kind of thing. But but then you know, the, barring that, it's really on you. Like, am I going to make it worth it? It's not like Karen's got to prove to me that it's worth it or whoever, you know, somebody who I sign up with has to prove to me. It's like, I decide, was it worth it? I'm going to make sure it was worth it, you know? And and some examples that I like to give with that is like, you know, a couple of years ago, I spent $5,000 on a trip to Egypt and I did not have a good time. Mm-hmm. Do I regret it? No. Because you went I'm to not- Egypt. I know. And I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to, I don't want to live in regret. I don't want to live in like, Oh, I blew $5,000. That's not going to do any good. That it's it's like, it's actually serving me to say, you know what? I learned what I don't want on that trip. Right. And plus the fact you got to see Egypt. I still went to Egypt. (laughs) A very, I still saw the pyramids. Right. I remember I saw your pictures. I mean, it's just such a, such a cool place to see. So even though if the logistics of the experience or whatever it was didn't mesh, you still have, you know, it's kind of like nothing's ever wasted in a way. Yes. And I, it's like people, you know, with things like that, I can see the argument that, oh, like, are, you know, are we just being like a Pollyanna? Are we kind of, um, you know, gaslighting ourselves or something like that? And And to me, it's more, it really boils down to, is this going to maintain or, or boost my sort of overall happiness quotient or is it going to do the opposite? Yeah. And if it's going to do the opposite, there, there really is, I don't see that as a benefit. So yeah. to sort of like harp on, let's, you know, if you, if you invested in a program and, and this is, again, this is not to say, oh, you should just blow your money with abandon I, and, you know, have no discernment and just, you know, invest left and right. No, not saying that. But if you did have an investment that you, that you made at some point that you weren't completely jazzed with, it's like, how could you turn it around? How could you turn it into something positive that's actually going to help you going forward? Because you're just going to be better off. It's like, if yeah. it, 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 it if being a Pollyanna means that I'm going to have a happier life and be better off, I'll be a Pollyanna, you know? Yeah, that's very true. I think too about when you said before, what you put into it affects the outcome. Mm -hmm. And um, I think of that from two perspectives. Number one, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I always find it interesting when I teach the anatomy portion of teacher trainings even to this day, how many teachers in the program complain about like the program from the perspective of how many hours it's taking and how it's interfering with like their daily schedule, whatever kind of schedule the training has, whether it's weekends for six months or, you know, one, whatever the schedule mm-hmm. is, 
And oftentimes, mm-hmm. because I just pop in and do the anatomy, sometimes I am a sounding board for just general concerns that people have, because I'll start the session out by saying, how are things going in general in your training? Because I'm only there to do the anatomy. And nine times out of 10, they'll just say things like, it's so hard. I haven't been sleeping well because I'm up studying. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever is required of them is beyond what they expected would be required and they feel tapped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing that comes to mind is in a recent coaching experience I had with a group of entrepreneurs, we had paid pretty decent money for the program, what I would consider a decent amount of money. So it wasn't just like a $100 experience. Yeah. And the amount of negative talk from these other coaches in terms of every time a question was asked, it was the person basically referring to themselves in very negative terms. Like I have this opportunity to speak at this conference, but I just am awful at presentations and I don't want to look stupid. And all of this negative, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, I'm so glad to be part of this entrepreneurial group. I have this opportunity. I'm open to some coaching around how I can show up in the best way possible for this. And even experience, the person leading the group was like, well, first of all, I want you to stop referring to yourself in such a negative way. Mm, like that's number one to kind of get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming anybody because again, I think a lot of this stuff is so ingrained. We're not even aware of it. I think though it reminded me based on what you said that when you're going to make a decision to spend money on a program, what you put into it and how you look at it is going to affect the outcome you get. So it's almost like you're going to get the monies back in large part based upon how you show up for the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is, this is, uh, reminds me of an example that comes from a study and I'm probably going to botch a little bit of the exact terms or the science around it, but when um, scientists were observing light, I believe, and they were making the light, I don't know, go back and forth or something like that, they were trying to see, does light behave as a wave or a particle? And what they found from the study is that literally the light behaved the way they thought it was going to. So the ones that thought it was going to be a particle, it was a particle. And then the ones that thought it was going to show up as a wave, it showed up as a wave. And it literally could change based on what the observer was thinking. And so it's like, oh my God, like that is a prime example of like, we are in an observer created reality. So that's why your attitude it, you know, when you're, you're involved in any kind of a program or something is going to be a game changer, is going to make such a big difference. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me, I was telling somebody the other day about like almost across the board when they do medical studies and they split the people into two groups and one group gets the placebo and one group gets the active ingredient oftentimes the placebo group will experience the same impact as the people getting the drug. And it's like, oh, you know, yes. you're getting a sugar pill. So how yes. is 
or back pain going away. Well, they knew they were getting a pill and they knew it could be the pill pill that had the active <laughs> ingredient. And that thought was enough to give them the somatic experience in the positive frame because yes. they thought they were getting. Exactly. That is just at the level of a drug you're ingesting in your system that, you know, you can use your mind to change your body's reaction. It's pretty incredible. And, you know, something you were sharing when you were talking about the mastermind that you were in where the woman or whoever it was, was sort of referring to themselves in a negative way. What I, what that made me or reminded me of is that literally our brains are hardwired to scan for the negative. So it's almost like you can let yourself off the hook a little bit. It's not that something's wrong with you that you always go to the negative. It's like, no, actually we all do. That's the knee knee jerk reaction that all of us have because the survival of our species depended on recognizing the negative and recognizing the threats first. You know, it was... We, we weren't going to survive if, our, if we were just focused on the cornucopia and abundance in the field. No, we needed to know if a tiger is rustling and running, you know, running at us. Like, that's what we want to notice first, right? So then it's like, okay, so on the one hand, it kind of lets you off the hook. It's not like there's something wrong with you. And then sort of the next step is, how do I change that? Or how do I try to change that? And that's literally what I call like mindset work like there is the work what is the work okay literally it it might be daily and and it might it literally could be a daily thing that you wake up in the morning your first thought is (laughs) you know and 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 that's okay but then we actually have an opportunity or the or the power to to shift that thought, to make the second thought something else, you know, and, and even, even in my own life, it's like this morning I was feel I was in kind of a funk, you know, the sort of hangover from the holidays. I was like, I don't know where I'm going. What is it? January 3rd. I don't even know, you know, and I literally just wrote in my journal, like I'm looking at it right now, you know, like just j- literally just sort of some affirmations. Like I am an incredible human being. You know, I've helped and made a positive impact on basically every client I've ever had. I've been, you know, so blah, blah, blah. So, you know, yeah. it kept going. And it's like 10 minutes later, I was, I was in a way better mood, right. you know? And again, this is, everything snowballs on each other. Like if you're, right. if you're in a better mood, there's more energy around that. Chances are it will trickle into the rest of your day. Right. You know, and, and absolutely. Yeah. And I love how, you know, now we're sort of stepping outside just money as a topic in particular to True. general, how you feel about your life. And that I think just, just illustrates how it is a topic that can spill out into how you show up. And that's why in the beginning, when we said this is relevant for yoga teachers, that's a connection point right there. And I think the other thing I just want to highlight for, for the listener is this idea that where you said before, um, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, there's nothing we need to take personally about these perceptions and so many people have them. It's just that in order to improve the quality of your life 
and the quality of relationship with money, you can choose a different perspective. And so where we were saying earlier, so many people are going to have that kind of placebo effect mindset where they're going to jump on the bandwagon. Oh, this is bad. This is evil. You don't have to do that. So I'm like, right. I'm referring to the listener, you know, you can take control, take charge of your perspectives about money to improve the quality of your life and the quality of the decisions you make to improve the quality of you of your life, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yes. um, all right. So let's, I, I mean, I sort of feel like we're we're at the we've talked a lot about kind of the the negative side. So let's talk a little bit about the positive side of things to kind of give the listener an idea of how they can get started improving their relationship with money. I think the first thing we're saying is to be more aware of your attitudes about money, in mm -hmm, general, mm -hmm. whether that's you're triggered by seeing things on social, you're triggered by being around certain stores, being around certain people, hearing certain conversations. I mean, all you have to do is bring up Jeff Bezos, the yes. owner of Amazon to anybody. And that's oh, interesting barometer to find out what they think about money, you know, because exactly. he doesn't pay any taxes and that's a problem and he has all this money and whatever, it, like all of these things. So there's sort of in our popular culture, probably lots of things you can think about if you want to, you know, if you're not at one of your workshops and you want to get a little, give yourself a little test to kind of see what comes up for you. Um, so what are some things that people could start to do to kind of loosen their attachment to some of these negative beliefs and set themselves here? We are at the beginning of the year on a more positive path. Great. Yes. Love that. And I'll try to rattle off some things that I think are helpful. Um, you know, and as you were, as we were kind of leading up to this, I was thinking that you don't, you don't even have to have like faith that it's going to work. All you have to do, all you have to have is like the willingness to try, you know, it's like, what's the harm? Let's just see what happens, you know, like, let's, let's see what happens by doing some of these. Yeah, there's really so what, an upside here. Yeah. So, so what are some of these things? It's like, okay, well, one is after you've identified what I would call your money story, you know, where you're, you're, you're writing down anything that you can remember ever hearing, being told about money, how your parents talked about it, what it was like, you know, financially growing up, what your peers were saying, you know, and then the whole thing of like, what words come to my mind when I think about money and rich and wealthy and all of that, then the net, you know, the a natural step after that is then to write out, well, what's my money ideal? And, and it's, it would be easy to say, oh, my money ideal is $10 billion. And like, okay, cool, whatever. You can put a dollar amount, that's fine. But really we're talking more about like the, how you feel about it, how you're relating to it. So part of, let's say part of your money ideal could be like, I don't want to ever feel stressed about money. I want to trust that there's more where that came from. I want to trust that money is always flowing or ebbing and flowing, but you know, that I want to be able to relax around money. I want to feel worthy, let's say, 
of, of receiving a good amount of money, you know, all of that kind of stuff could be what I would call your money ideal. Then, um, any literally just writing out or, or even saying to yourself in the mirror, any kind of affirmations that sort of help support this new way of being, you know, ar around money, like, um, you know, you know, I am worthy and deserving of, of abundance or, yeah. uh, you know, th things like that. Then, you know, um, something else that I really love is, and, and I, I, I try to monitor this very closely for myself. It's like, when I start to feel a contraction and a dip around money, when I start to feel like most of the thoughts I'm having are, you know, or, or, or nobody's signed up for anything in a while. So, you know, I haven't had a sale in a little while. Uh-oh, 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 you know, or, or, oh man. And then I've got this other bill that's due and, oh shit. you know, like when that, when I start to see that I, those are the predominant thoughts that I'm having, sometimes a really great game changer is ironically spending a little bit of money. Like, um, donating a little bit to something or giving the waitress an extra good tip or, um, um, if there's that bill that you've been putting off paying, just freaking pay it because why again, cause it's like leaning into abundance, leaning into there's more where that came from, Le you know, leaning into I'm going to be okay. Cause that kind of gets that engine going again. And like we've talked about, there's more energy around that. There's more energy behind that. And it's going to draw, you know, more, you know, abundance to you. Another thing that I love is anonymously feeding the meters. Yeah. Yeah. For that, people. That's super fun. Yeah. Um, I think too about like when people, when there's some news story about something really tragic, unfortunately, sadly, mm. and there's like a GoFundMe that gets started to support mm. that child whose parents were shot in the supermarket or mm -hmm. you know, whatever the awful scenario is, unfortunately, that we have way too many of in our country. I know. Um, and you think about all the people who are donating, they're probably not super rich. And yet- right they were able to come up with a dollar or $5 or $10. And not only does that illustrate that idea that you're speaking of, which is to give as a way to feel the positive um, effects of having a good relationship with money, especially right. if you're feeling like you don't have any in that moment. And of course, to get the good feeling of donating to be, you know, to help somebody else. Um, but also one of the other principles that I always, well, I didn't always know this about money. I didn't always think of it. The idea of the compounding effect that if you save a little over time that can grow yes. and so the GoFundMe example, a lot of people donating creates more opportunity for this person who's going to receive it than just one person. And in yep. our lives, even if we're saving $5 a day, as we save five or $5 a week, if we look six months down the line, that $5 a week is going to be a decent amount of money. Yep. So 
Yeah. So I just wanted to add that in as an example of, you know, the feed the meters, the tip your waiter. That's why I always find it really interesting these days that people are complaining about the electronic tip thing in Starbucks nowadays, that they feel compelled. There's this new narrative out there because Starbucks in a lot of their stores has changed the checkout process so that if you pay with a credit card, some of the stores flip around the payment screen so you can add your tip. Yes. Uh, and a lot of restaurants and delis and coffee shops have this functionality now. And there's this interesting narrative out there where people feel um, compelled in an annoying way to leave a tip and they feel that it's an awkward situation mm -hmm. that the person that works at the store is flipping the screen and they feel this obligation to leave a tip, even though one of the options is no tip and they feel like the person's going to judge them if they leave no tip. And at the same time, they feel pressure to leave a tip. And there's quite a few things. I used to work at Starbucks, so I read these posts online where people are saying, well, the drinks are so expensive anyway, why should I need to leave a tip? And I can certainly say after working at Starbucks for almost six years, you first of all, don't make a lot of money. You second no. of all, bust your freaking butt. Yes. Third of all, exactly what you're saying, right? You, to share in a tip format with someone not only appreciates them, has a ripple effect throughout their whole life and a ripple effect throughout your whole life. Right, right. And I love that, that just that example, there's so many things that we could unpack in there. And just one thing that I'll kind of add is, you know, it also is important to, to look at the motivations, you know, and what I would call the energetics behind your decisions. Because I think if you're only leaving a tip because you feel guilty, don't leave one. Right. If you're only leaving a tip because you're afraid of what they think about you, I don't know if they can tell if you've left a tip or not, but let's imagine that they can and you're nervous. Maybe when they're they gonna, turn the screen back around, they can yeah, see. Yeah, they're going to see that you did not. I also would say, then don't do it, you know? And, and so it's like, cause that is going to have an energetic ripple effect too. Like, right. to think, so it's like, we think about it. Do you want to use your money to manipulate people? Cause that's what that behavior would be. Actually, right. you're, you are trying to manipulate you. You want to, you want to have control over what they think about you. Right. So it, if you're doing it as a uh, yes. Leaving the tip without any strings, without any energy. Yes. yes. So then I would, you know, challenge the person that, you know, is in this dilemma over tipping. Like, okay, on the one hand, if you really don't want to tip, then don't tip. But if you technically do have the money and you could, could you look at it in a different lens, which is what you right. were describing? Could we look at this in a, in a way of, of, I want to live generously. I want, I want to live from this sort of like ethos of generosity. I don't, I don't want to be pissed every time I have to leave it a dollar tip somewhere. You know, I, I want to be able to freely do that in the world and, and be happy about it, you know, and be, and, and be happy that my little dollars are trickling, trickling out and, and ho hopefully making someone else's life better, you know, and, right. and chances are you're going to feel happier inside if you have that attitude right 
course. So, it's like you said, when you leave the extra money in the parking meter and you drive away knowing there's an hour on there, that's a really cool feeling to know that someone else is going to pull in there and they don't even know you and they're not going to have to put money in the meter. But I right. think these thoughts don't occur to so many people because again, there's this sort of unconscious programming that we've all sort of, that so many of us, I don't want to speak for everybody, mm -hmm. has adopted, which is you only pay what you're supposed to pay. You know, tipping is just for really good service or good exceptional service, whatever it is. And now, of course, with all the electronics involved in our lives, um, it does pose these interesting scenarios like this one in particular, where we never would otherwise be faced with making a choice like this, because in the past, all they had was a tip jar. And whether or not you put an actual dollar in that tip jar wasn't seemingly so much of an issue because it was an analog type 3D scenario. But now that it's electronic and the person has to turn the screen and you need to make the actual choice of pressing a button, yes. now there seems to be a heightened level of <laughs> obligation attached to it. And all these other feelings are coming up. Um, so so I just think that's why these conversations are so important because it it just raises the idea of uncovering what your unconscious beliefs are about money and deciding whether or not you're going to be a victim to those unconscious decisions or you're going to question them in a healthy way. And you know what? You may still end in the same place. You may still mm -hmm. decide in this example, you know, I don't want to tip at Starbucks. Well, then, yeah, don't, fine. then right. there's no drama around it. You can just live your life and not tip at Starbucks, despite the new scenario that that's happening. So exactly. Just, you want to be the owner of the choice you're making. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, exactly. so we said this one whole idea of tipping and, and like writing positive thoughts and using positive affirmations to kind of keep you on that positive wavelength. Can mm -hmm. you say another, can you add something about when we talked at the beginning about the woman who had the pile of bills and we talked about yep. this idea about like money hygiene again, since it's the beginning of the year, if someone listening is that person with a pile of bills or is that person who never checks their bank account or is that person that's always paying late fees, like anything at like the practical level that you could suggest to sort of get them moving forward because it's probably something that they haven't been dealing with in a healthy way for a while. You know, it could mm -hmm. even be a person who's mindlessly spending money on Amazon, knowing that they really don't have that cash there. Um, it's just become this sort of unhealthy habit, you know, because Amazon purchases are so frictionless. It sort of seems like it's not even real money when you buy stuff on Amazon. It's right. Just, I'm just clicking a couple buttons on my computer back to clicking the buttons on the electronic. Right. So anything that comes to mind, maybe when you work with people to help them get their money house in order. Yep. Yep. So that's a great question. And, and, you know, uh, everybody's different. So I would have kind of personalized things to say to, you know, yeah. to each person based on what, like what's going on. But 
Um, to sort of try to make it general, you know, I would say that if you don't check your bank account almost every day or daily, I would start doing that because in a way we want to take the charge out of it. Yes. It, it, don't want it to be the boogeyman. We don't want it to be this hyped thing or fear, fearful Despite thing. Despite all like, the messages we're getting, right? Right. It makes you it even harder. It does make it harder. It's like, we just want to normalize it. This is normal. It's like brushing your teeth. I brush my teeth every day. I check my bank account every day. And also, when you're checking it every day, it's also easier to have a handle on. You're not going to, you're not, if you're checking it every day, you're not going to say, where does all my money go? Right? Like the examples you gave of the people earlier, where does all my money go? Well, if you're looking every day, you're going to know, you're going to see it, you know? And, and so, you know, ha having it so that it's not this hidden thing, it's not taboo, it's not this fearful thing. It's like, you, you just want to get real comfortable with it. Yes. Yeah. You want to, again, we want to feel sort of neutral around this. We don't want to, we don't want to feel like we're going to have a panic attack. Those rare times that you check your, you know, that your check your account, you know, then another thing I would say is, literally what's up with your wallet you know what, what like from a feng shui perspective is your wallet bursting with random receipts sticks of gum that are gooey and old yeah, i remember you know? the, the george costanza wallet on seinfeld yeah. it was like the whole episode about how he couldn't sit comfortably in the chair <laughs> with receipts like his one hip was yes, higher yeah. We would need to see you for some yoga to yeah. adjust, exactly. you know, maybe Karen, but yeah. So, right. So it's like, is the wallet kind of energetically blocking you from receiving more abundance? Is it overflowing with crap that you don't need? Clear it out, you know, so streamline it, clean it up. Um, and then, you know, things, you know, I think everyone has sort of their own how much structure do they need with their budget and all of that? You know, I think some people benefit from more. Some people I think can deal, can, it's actually better to have less. Um, but that you just have some sort of system where you're aware of what are the, the monthly expenses. So it's like, I literally just use like a spreadsheet, you yeah. know, like I, so it's like a spreadsheet where you know what are the recurring things, you know, roughly how much they are. Um, and then, so there's no surprises with, with that, you know, right. then there are the kind of more miscellaneous or wild card categories of, right. Like entertainment or, you know, clothing, you know, you know, and, and then you can kind of see like, well, how much am I really spending in those, in those, in those areas? Um, so, so some kind of a system so that, that you have a sort of a baseline understanding of like, what does it cost to run me right. each right. month? Exactly. You know? <laughs> and I just want to make a point now that I'm hearing you give these awesome suggestions, which is that this is going to take a little bit of work. And that goes back to what you said before, which is if you're not going to put in the effort, you're not going to get the good result. And so for someone listening, who's thinking, oh, I don't have the time to create a budget. I don't really have the time in the morning or throughout my day to check my bank account. So this isn't going to work for me. I mean, that's an opportunity 
to take a look at the resistance and see if you can figure out where that's coming from. Because to have a good relationship with money, it really is, it, it seems to me like it's working through all this sludge that you didn't even really ask to be waiting through. Right. But on the exactly. other side, as you said, it can be just a neutral thing. It can be a neutral thing. Exactly. And um, and when I think yeah. about how many like really deep cries I've had, not recently, but in the past about money and how I never cry about money anymore and what a relief right. that is. However, I can totally remember conversations with my parents, conversations with them about debt I had or decisions I needed to make and just really, really just crying and being very in despair. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember at times my father would say, why are you getting so upset? Like, where is all this coming from? And at the moment I thought it was a really silly question. You know, now looking back, I want to say, well, I should ask you that question because all these feelings I have about money right. all of them came from you, you know? Right, I, right. It's not to point a finger. Um, it's it's really to recognize, in my case, I'm just speaking for myself here, that the attitudes I had that weren't serving me about money, a lot of them were shaped by my parents' attitudes about money and things that I heard as a younger person that I carried into my professional life. And we talked about this before I started recording with you, that idea of having debt when it relates to good decisions you're making about your business, investing in yourself as a growth, from a growth perspective, that's good debt, okay debt in my mind to have. However, I was raised with the perception that all debt is bad. Mm-hmm. Never is it good to have debt of any amount. You should always pay off your debt. And um, it's not that I disagree with the paying off your debt part. It's more that I've I've adopted a different perspective around debt when it comes to having debt that allows me to leapfrog forward at a faster rate than I could on my own, knowing exactly. that be in a better position in the future to pay that off than I would if I try to just do it myself. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know why this came to my mind just now, kind of as you were sharing, but um, I was thinking about um, if somebody is currently in a space where they're like spiraling into a fear about money or spiraling into a fear over a potential decision. Like again, going back to the example of deciding whether or not to invest in some sort of like continuing ed thing or program or coaching or something that might help them get to the next level. Um, and, and we could sort of circle it around to the debt thing as well. But I don't know where I heard this. It was probably in somebody's podcast, James Wedmore, maybe, or it might have been in a book that I read. But um, playing the what if up or the in the what if down game, and and I actually find that to be quite helpful. It's like if you're starting to spiral into a fear of something that you're like, oh my god, what if this happens? If we play the what if down game, 
in a way, it might show you that there's a ton of steps that would have to happen for you to even arrive at that worst case scenario. Like, for example, oh my God, Karen, what if my business makes zero dollars in 2023? And I'm I'm immediately thinking I'm gonna be living homeless under a bridge. Right. But but so it's like, all right, let's back it up. If I made zero dollars in 2023. Would I immediately be homeless? No. What's the, what's the first thing that would happen? The first, for me, you know, again, just give an example. First thing that would happen is I'd be living off my savings. Okay, but I'd still have a roof over my head. Then over a period of time, I would blow through all of the savings and then I would have to do something. Um, so maybe I would have gotten a job in that, in that time period. And maybe I'd have money coming in again. And so I'd be fine. Or, or if I didn't, Let's say I couldn't, just couldn't get a job. Now I blew through all my savings. Nobody's hiring me. I'm pretty sure my dad would let me live with him for a period of time. So then I would go live with my dad for a while, while I'm trying to find work, right? right. And so all of this is, this is going to be a year, two years, three years, and I'm still not under the bridge yet, right? right? So that's the what if down. But then like, what if up? Right. So instead of instead of what if I make zero dollars in my business in 2023, what if I make 200,000? Then what's going to happen? Oh, my God. Then I might then I might do this. Right. And that might that might lead me up here. Right. And then that might catapult me to this. Right. Right. And so I think both can be helpful in certain ways. But the I, I do like the I mean, I like both. But I think if you're spiraling in a fear, it's kind of helpful to see the thing that you're fearing. It's most so like, far. Yeah. It's so far. And it might not likely. even ever happen. Exactly. And that's the other thing is I'm willing to bet that most people that would be like listening to this podcast right now would be willing to do whatever it took to make sure they weren't living under a bridge. Right. 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 Like, like, I don't know about you, but I don't care where I have to work ultimately to ensure that I'm not living under a bridge. You know what I mean? You know, so it's like something, you know, somehow, some way. Yeah. And I mean, I think with that example you gave and you so expertly walked us through it, is it really broke down the fear with logic, which is sort of like, taking the lightsaber to Darth Vader's lightsaber. (laughs) No. And I sort of want the listener to, to really like, if that's a helpful metaphor for you or whatever is helpful for you when you're in fear is to just like, say to yourself, like, no ego part of me or that dark side of me or dark shadow or whatever, whatever visual works for you. I'm the one in control here. You want to take me down that path, but I'm not playing that game right now because if I use logic like you just did, the chances of that happening are very slim. And the chances of the upside are just as probable, if not more probable. So I'm going to bet on that. Exactly. So I I think that's such a great, what did you call it? Up betting on the up? Yeah, it's the what if up and the what if down. Game. That's interesting. That's an interesting, like, like framework. I've never, uh, what if, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. What if up and what? So it's good to play out those scenarios, right? Yeah. yeah like, yeah. And then uh, going back to the investing in a program, it's like, what if up? It's like, yeah. What if up? Like, what if I invest in this program? Yeah. And then I feel more confident in my skills. Yeah. And then I'm able to charge a higher rate for my services. Right. And then, you know, right. right. Yeah. I even think about in um, 2022, I invested in about six months of working with a coach one-on-one and I was inspired to work with him because his girlfriend is a very, very successful entrepreneur. And I ended up communicating with him in a roundabout way on Instagram before I knew that his girlfriend was someone very prominent that I also was following. And so- Yeah. So it was just kind of interesting. So when I ended up working with him one-on-one, I'll admit I did have in the back of my mind, this thought of, oh my goodness, could this, could working with this coach take me to the levels that his girlfriend is at? And even though that did not happen, I know that that relationship that I now have with him and we still communicate, even though I've stopped working with him one-on-one, I know that that relationship is a positive relationship that I will always have in my life. And I always sort of believe that there's some way that that relationship is going to bear fruit later, mm-hmm. even though maybe my unidimensional thought of what was possible when I worked with him didn't as much come to fruition as I wanted. There were some wonderful things. I'll admit though, it wasn't maybe as most as I thought in terms of outcome. However, as we said earlier, I never look at anything as lost. And I look at that relationship I now have as one that I can always lean into. I can always contact this person. This person has amazing contacts that I would that I currently do not have. So that's another avenue I have to maybe getting people on the show here or maybe building my business in different ways, going through this person to leverage contacts he has that I don't have. So, you know, I sort of feel like just as you said before, the um, what if up could include those kinds of things. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, Okay, so... For this like last piece here, I definitely want you to tell the listener, because I'm sure now that you're sharing a little bit more about how you work with people, I'll bet there is someone or more than a number of someone's listening who are going to be intrigued to find out more about how they can work with you on money topics. So how do they do that? How do they find Um, out? So my, so they could go to my website. It's allisonchamberlainjones.com. Um, they, I have the same name on Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, currently I am working with people one-on-one. I, I have what I recommend as a package with the caveat that it's, it's flexible and we can customize and you can also do things a la carte. Yeah. What I usually say would help to get you the best results is doing a six month 
commitment or container where we're meeting every other week. Yeah. Um, there's homework in between. Uh, there's some videos and things like that that I will have people watch. And that is enough to have like, to feel like we're really going to get to the meat and potatoes. If that feels just too far out of the comfort zone and we're, we're in the terror zone with that thought of six months and someone just wants to try one session or five sessions or, you know, whatever, I, I have prices for that stuff too. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So, so that's just DM you on Instagram or email you off your yeah. website and say, Hey, I heard you on the show and I'd love to exactly. find Exactly. And I always do a, an hour call that's free just to feel it out where you're feeling out me, you know, I'm getting to know what, what's going on with you. What are, you know, what are some of the goals and things that, that you want to work on? And so then it's sort of, you know, we can, if it's a good fit on both sides, we sort of mutually agree, like, cool, let's do this. And if not, no harm, no foul, no hard feelings, you know? Um, Yeah. So, so I feel like, yeah, great risk. Great. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic as I fully expected it would be. Um, I really, really thank you for just your positive energy and your knowledge and your expertise. I loved all the neuroscience references. I'm a big geek on that. So I (laughs) love that. And um, I know for the listeners, again, this is just a timely topic. And it's one that's like near and dear to me. And I just wanted to share with others, someone like you who has this expertise in helping people see through these money blocks and come out the other side more empowered and um, both in a tangible way and in kind of a non-tangible way, just a spiritual way, uh, way of being, way around this important subject. So thank you so, so much. And yes, that, thank you so much for having me. I hope somebody gets something out of this, sure this discussion. And yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure and honor to, to be back on the show. Yeah, thank you again. Yeah, number three. And this, um, here it is Tuesday, January 3rd. This yep. will go live on Monday. Cool. Yeah, Monday's podcast posting day. So yeah, so I'll send you the link. Cool. On and uh, I'm just super excited to share it. So thank you again. Yay. So, so much well, and cheers. Yes, cheers to an abundant and yes. fulfilling 2023. Yes, mm-hmm. got this. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much. I'll talk yes. to you soon. Thank you. All righty. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, 
the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.